Welcome to Connex, a leadership platform for construction executives. Today, I have uh, Bill Q on the phone and uh, or on you know on the meeting uh, talking talking about Denim Blythe, uh, his company. And uh, how are you doing this morning, Bill? Doing real well. I appreciate it. Thank you for hosting us and for having us as part of your your presentation here. Well, um, you know, rather than me telling your history, because I've done some background background on you that's how we kind of selected you to, to to be on the podcast but rather than me tell you know go back and tell your history and tell them life's history can you kind of start with maybe yourself and where'd you grow up how'd you get into what you're doing now those type of things absolutely i'd love to um i was actually born in born uh, in ann arbor michigan which is uh, home to the university of michigan but I, I don't claim that because i was born or raised rather most of my life in ohio uh, my parents moved me to columbus ohio at age four um, where we i lived in dublin ohio which at that time was still very uh, fairly small and rural area so it was kind of nice growing up as a kid uh, i actually played outdoors and built things you know there was no computers until at least the time when i reached middle school so we entertained ourselves outside by by putting things together and playing with friends a lot different than today's day and age um, i had a variety of jobs uh, during high school age i started at age 14 uh, working at the columbus zoo uh, doing concessions and so on feeding the people not the animals and then I worked as a dishwasher retirement home uh, for a few years, and then also as a telemarketer, selling carpet cleaning of all things. And after high school, I uh, went to Ohio State University and kind of always knew I wanted to either build things or study engineering and so on. So I went into the civil engineering department there, and uh, that's where at Ohio State, that's where I met my wife in my sophomore year. And we just kind of hit it off. She was a business major, but we won't hold that against her. Um, just kidding, of course. Yeah, I know. Uh, we were married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she may not know me. <laughs> but uh, no, we, we tease each other. She tells me I'm an engineering nerd, and I tell her, at least I'm not a business major. So it's, <laughs> we get each other. But uh, we were married right after college. And um, then we actually moved down here to Lexington from Columbus. Uh, to take on her job with Ashland Oil, which is now Valvoline here in town. But uh, the plan was always that we would come down here. I would go to graduate school for civil engineering at UK. And then as soon as I was done with that, we'd move back north. Uh, you know, just once I got my, my education done, we'd go back up and kind of live our life in Columbus. But during that time of grad school, I found a job with Denim Blythe Company, or I still am, but that was back in 1995. Uh, which was my second year of grad school, just to get a little bit of experience in design. Uh, I was fortunate enough, fortunate enough to get hired on, and I was a structural engineer in the design department uh, for about five years. I did enjoy it, and that's why we stuck around a little bit longer, still planning to move back north. But then from there, things just progressed. Uh, I became a field superintendent on a project in 2001, and then a project manager following that in 2004. And uh, that same year, I was promoted to be one of the vice presidents here. And then, you know, the rest is history. In 2017, I took over the position of CEO here. And now I'm 25 years after I started what I thought would be a two-year job. I'm still here. So <laughs> it can't get rid of me. That never did find our way back north. Well, it just goes so to show you that you never know what life's going to hand you. So you do the best you possibly can wherever you are. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And we've loved it here. You know, coming down here from the Columbus area, we found that the people are that much nicer. There's a month less of winter and, you know, it's still a college town. It's a great place to be. We love it here. So can you back up with, uh, and I appreciate your your background. I was going to ask you if you're a Michigan or Ohio fan, because I know that's the biggest rivalry in college football, but hopefully you're a UK fan. Well, the funny thing is when I was when I was a kid, since I was born in Michigan and my grandfather was actually a professor at the University of Michigan, I rooted for uh, the Wolverines, even though I lived in Ohio until I went to Ohio State. Then I became an Ohio State football fan and still am to this day. But I don't wish Michigan any ill. It's, it's a fun rivalry. But I love UK football because the funny thing is we have no expectations. We love to see them play. We love the team. We love the school. And they can wake up any day and beat any team in the nation when things are clicking. So oh, I'm, I'm a big UK fan. It's a lot of fun. Well, I, I always tell everybody, everybody the story because I don't know if you remember, gosh, how many, seven, eight years ago when UK beat LSU when they were ranked number one. So, Absolutely. And so it's and then I remember the triple overtime they beat Arkansas that I mean, it was the next year after that. And you just go and they were ranked. So it just goes to show you that you're, you're right. Any day, anything can happen. So. So. Absolutely. Uh, so. Absolutely. And that's what makes it fun to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so tell us about Denim Blythe. When did it get started? How long has it been wrong? What, what kind of work does it do? Sure, sure. We Denim Blythe Company actually started when I was four years old. Uh, they started in 1976. Uh, there was two civil engineers that started it, Dale Blythe and Charlie Denham, hence the Denham Blythe. They decided to partner up and create a consulting design team. And their goal was just to provide architectural, civil, and structural design services. And their background was industrial, so that was kind of their focus, was those design services to industrial clients. But then they quickly found out that you know, the clients didn't just want design. They were desperate to find a single source construction solution that would provide both the design and the construction component under one hat. So they didn't, you know, you know how the finger pointing can be between designers and constructors. So they wanted single source, you know, also known as design build, as we all know now. Mm-hmm. So they started as uh, they did small projects, you know, it was just the two of them initially, and they would use that design build method. They brought on some superintendents and some other designers and so on. And then a few years later, when the Toyota facility came to town up in Georgetown, uh, really between self-performing some of the foundations for that facility during its initial construction, and then working with many, many of the second and third tier suppliers that Toyota brought to town and to the central Kentucky region, they really became an established design build player in the central Kentucky market. And obviously that was well before my time with, with Denim Blythe, but that's really what helped to put Denim Blythe on the map, as well as a lot of our competitors here in town. You know, the Toyota coming to town was a mm-hmm. big impact on all of us. And then um, Charlie Denham, he actually retired in 1990. So I knew him um, through, you know, meetings and so on after he had retired but I never had the opportunity to work with him, but I got to work with Dale Blythe for many years before he retired in 2002. And he was a, a huge mentor for me. He was a structural engineer as well and taught me a lot of things. And I, I really loved working with him till his retirement. And um, since then, we just, as a company, maintained a succession plan that's really allowed Denim Blythe Company to continue to grow and flourish. And we've gone from being a Kentucky only 
uh, client base to a national client base over the past 40 years. And in 1999, um, opened our Nashville office in Tennessee. And um, then just a few years ago, we also opened a South Carolina office uh, in Greer, South Carolina, real close to Greenville. So, you know, it's just been a, a good 46 years for us. Is, uh, is, is the company uh, still owned by the family or is it a employee owned company or how, how is it set up? That's a good question. And it's actually a, um, uh, sub S, uh, corporation. So there's uh, nine of us in ownership and basically it's been a succession plan where, um, Dale transitioned his ownership to, um, two other individuals who transitioned their ownership over the years to three additional in- individuals. And now we're on the, I guess you'd call it the fourth tier of ownership. And it's myself and two others as um, the prime owners. And we've got others lined up behind us that they'll take the torch and keep it burning. And, you know, it's been a very successful um, transition that's allowed the company to be healthy and not miss a beat as far as the growth and development through the year. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's great because, you know, you know, as you very well know, there's very difficult to go from, you know, generationally go from one generation to another. And the fact that your guys are four, basically four generations in, that's pretty, that's, that that's a great thing. That says a lot about your company. Absolutely. Well, and I can't take credit. You know, it's a process that Dale had set up many, many moons ago, and it helps us to identify um, key players that really have, have the business in their heart and, you know, have the, uh, core values in their heart and really to cultivate those folks to reward them and also just it's it's a benefit for the entire company for all of our employees because it allows us to have strong leaders for the future absolutely do you uh what's the core focus of denim blythe when i first heard of denim blythe i i you know i was in the military and i i wasn't around this area when i first heard denim blythe uh i I uh, was working at Mason and Hanger and, and, mm-hmm. and one of the guys that worked with me, one of my PMs, he worked down at Corning with you guys. And that's the first okay, thing well. I heard about Denim Blythe. So, but I never understood 100% your core, core focus. So what do you, what is your core focus today? And it sounds like it's changed over time. Well, uh, let me get into that here in one second, but I'm going to ask you a question on the reverse side real quick. I'm guessing that that project manager at Mason Hanger might have been Michael Patterson? Uh, It it is, actually. (laughs) Okay, and the the reason for my question is because he is one of the next tier of ownership here, and um, he he actually came from Mason Hanger to Denim Blythe, and his relationship or his connection with Denim Blythe came through Corning. And um, Corning is a been a longtime um, customer of ours. Uh, they've been great to work with. They're somebody that we value dearly. And again, it's a relationship building for us um, that we do with owners like Corning. And um, so it's a small world, but I digress. So to answer your core focus question, um, about 85% of our projects each year are design build projects. And that really is our core focus. And what I mean by that is we're also heavily into the industrial sector with more than 70% of our jobs each year being with industrial clients like Corning or like um, folks like Kroger, uh, where they have just production facilities all across the United States and they take us places and folks like Toyota as well. But our revenue varies year to year. Kind of a a normal breakdown would be about 70% industrial, 15% healthcare, 
I'd say about 10% would be commercial, various levels of light commercial. Um, and then probably 5% or so would be religious or other projects that really wouldn't fit in any of those niches. We don't do public works. We don't do federal works. Um, I shouldn't say we don't. We seldom do state or local government projects. We will do those in tight times, but we really prefer not to. It's it's just a different market. It's not so customer service based mm -hmm. at that point. So you know, you t when you went over and and thank you for doing a, a doing a good job. I know you guys have a long history, and it's it's a, it's tough when you have a long history to kind of summarize everything. But in your mind, what significant event? really shaped the business model that you guys have today? I would say the most significant event would be, you know, kind of as I mentioned with Dale and Charlie figuring out real early on that they always wanted to be a consultant. They wanted to keep their owners happy, but their owners made it clear to them that design build was what they really wanted. They mm -hmm. wanted the, the complete package, if you will. So from a singular significant event what i would have to say would probably be toyota coming to town but the most significant shaping of our company became when they transitioned from the concept of a consulting engineering firm to a true design build construction firm because there's many many consultants out there and it's you know relatively easy you can be a one person consulting you know store or shop, if you will, mm -hmm. but it's not so easy to really be a true design build company. There's a lot of folks out there, a lot of companies out there that say, well, we're design build, but really what they are is they're a general contractor that partners with consulting designers or vice versa, whereas we under one hat, Denim Blythe has an in-house design department of almost 30 folks, and we have a construction force of more than 100 folks. And then we have construction managers that are about 40 folks. So we're all components under one hat. And that's unique, in my opinion, especially for the Kentucky region. I'm not aware of anyone else that has that level of each arm under their own, uh, under their own roof. So you guys decided to keep uh, – you, so you have a self-performance section of your company. Absolutely. We, we do a lot of the self-performing of things like concrete, uh, smaller site-related work, um, and interiors, finishes, that kind of thing. But we really like to maintain the ability to do the foundations and the concrete work simply because it gives us a, first of all, competitive advantage in many respects, but also it gives us better control over the schedule. Because as you know, it, it, once you get out of the ground, once you get the concrete in and you can go to town on the construction project, everything else is fairly linear you know i don't say mm -hmm. independent of weather but it's not really dictated so much and if you're dependent upon others to kind of get you through that first phase of the concrete after the site works complete it can really bog you down and it can really cost you very valuable weeks and months on a project well this the next question i have for you is is very similar in a lot of ways but can you point to one game-changing event for your company that kind of changed you know who you guys are or have you guys been who you are from the beginning and you just expanded some services? Well, I really can't point to a singular one because, again, it's one thing that I'll tell you about Denim Blythe, especially compared to many of our competitors, is that we never really sought out to grow 
at a rapid pace, um, like many of our competitors did. We've always been a granular. If we take care of the customer, if we focus on keeping them happy, we just grow. And what I mean by that is they keep bringing us back for more projects. They introduce us to new people and so on. But if I had to say a singular event, it was probably when um, Denim Blythe uh, managed to earn the business of uh, Libby Owens Ford. And this is probably an 85, 86 time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, we were introduced to them to um, work on a project in Versailles for ULM, um, which was United, Libby Owens Ford, and Nippon Glass. And through that relationship, we actually worked as a subcontractor to another company but the relationship was established there and they were, Libio and the Ford was impressed enough with us that they took a small, then very small company and had us build a 500,000 square foot facility for them in Shelbyville, Indiana. And then uh, working basically throughout the entire country for them on other projects because they were nationwide. So from a singular event, I would have to say that's the, the closest thing to uh, a game changer for Denim Blythe Company. So what's your guys' plans for the future? Well, continue to grow. Continue to to take care of, um, you know, our customers. Because, again, our focus is is always just if, if we have owners and they have needs, even if we're not perfectly equipped to take care of those immediate needs, we'll figure out how to do it. And um, the more that we take care of our customers, the more that we um, meet their expectations, requirements, and exceed them, the more we just continue to to be inundated, for lack of better terms, with more and more work. Um, And so for the plan for the future is to take care of customers and to take care of our employees. And when we do that, we just grow. Uh, We've averaged about 10 to 15% growth almost continually since 2000. And, um, you know, I look back at the company we were then, we had five folks back in design when I first started in 96 and now like I said we're about 30 and it just it happens and and, and I love I love the philosophy there it's really simple and you it is it really is and you know it's something and and I always say customer service is dead in construction and uh uh you know that's why personally my business has grown is because when you put the client's uh needs uh first it just you know, people will beat down your door, you know, to, to, to have you. So it's, I like the way you frame that. It's, it's more about that than it is anything. And, uh, that's, that's great. Um, so, um, personally, what skills and ability, and I know you, you, from talking to my guys and, you know, who've had a chance to, to meet with you and just being on the call with you here today, um, I know you're a humble guy, so you're going to have to step out of being humble a little bit for a second. <laughs> but, but if you were, you know, uh, what skills and ability do you think that you have had that you have that has helped the business? And, uh, you know, and I, and I know that's a tough question, but if you had to identify what those were, what would you say it was? Well, I guess my primary um What's gotten me to where I am today, I would have to say, is simply work ethic, meaning that I like the work. I like the people I work with. I like the the customers I work for, and it makes it easy to want to work, to like the work. But I mean, I that's what I do for fun. I like to work from sun up to sundown. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm it's sure not that I'm a, that. 
Well, what I was going to say, it's not that uh, I put that before family. What I will typically do is uh, I work my, my day shift and go home. We do dinner when we have nice shoulder to shoulder time in front of the TV. And that's the beauty of the laptop. You know, let's just kind of hang out and get things done <laughs> yeah, while you're enjoying a good movie. But uh, I love to work. And, um, you know, my wife's been very supportive of that, as, as have my kids. You know, they, they actually enjoy it as well. Um, and uh, so I'd say work ethic, I would say multitasking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've always, I don't, I'm not sure if it's my ADD or, or hyperactivity or what, but I like to juggle a whole lot of issues, you know, and, and keep them all in perspective and get a lot of different projects done concurrently. So that helps me to kind of problem solve and, and um, keep things moving forward. And lastly, I would just say people skills because I'm a people pleaser. Um, I want to always ensure that I never fail on commitments made, which means that I want to make sure Denim Blythe never fails on commitments made. And it's because I like people, I can pretty much relate to anybody. It doesn't matter who the owner is, doesn't matter who the subcontractor is, doesn't matter who I'm dealing with. Um, You know, I, I like to deal with people, even the tough ones. So if you had to like identify, um, somebody you know uh, your your you know some of your failures and some of your successes people don't like the word failure but i like to call it what it is you know um what would you say there's some of some of the things that you know people could learn from because i i think failures could be a good thing as long as you learn from it failures and successes in your career uh can you can you i always think it's interesting to get a story from somebody could you identify one of a failure and a success and talk about how it shaped you absolutely um for example, a failure, I like to call it a struggle because okay. there, there's failures, <laughs> there was not, I'm teasing, no, no. But a lot of the, the, the biggest single thing that I've struggled with throughout my career, career is just the delegation aspect. And it's one of those things where, you know, if I ever have to give anybody an example of something that they need to try and avoid or, or a trap not to fall into is learn to trust others and learn to trust others to do a similar job to what you might do or expect. And it may not be exactly like you would do it. It may not be exactly perfect in your mind, but you have to get to a point if you want to grow um, professionally and if you want your company to grow as a whole, you have to be comfortable with empowering others to do a job and to take part of your job as part of their job and then encourage them and help them through it, but don't micromanage and don't certainly don't negatively critique. It's great to give constructive criticism in a positive light to give them a chance to grow. But if you can't let go of the reins on many of the aspects of what you do throughout your career, you'll never, you're always going to be the bottleneck. You'll never let the company grow. You'll never further, um, your career, you'll never improve because you'll always have a stranglehold on everything. And there's only so many hours in a day and you can't get it all done. At least not if you want to continue to grow and service your customers. What about, uh, um, you know, as far as like, uh, you know, if you had to say, Hey, this has been a real big success. Do you have anything, you know, I know it sounds to me like your focus on on your clients has been the key to your, your success personally and probably has translated to the company. Am I correct to say that? 
Absolutely. And, you know, that, that's one of the things that as far as successes is concerned, every day that we get a repeat customer coming back and saying, hey, I have another project. I want you guys to look at it. That's a success for us. Mm-hmm. You know, can I point to a singular, here's the biggest success of, of our life? No, we've had, you know, we, we have had monster projects come in that, you know, oh, we, we earned that and, and we're happy. And yes, that's absolutely a success, but it's one of a multitude. And I certainly wouldn't want to give one of our projects, one of our customers, one of our um, opportunities any more credit for our success than any other because even the smallest one. In fact, I tell owners all the time, I would love to come out and do your flagpole base, or I'd love to come out and do your million square foot building. I don't care. I just want an opportunity to work with you, to earn your business, to show you that we'll do what we say we'll do. And when we do, then you will be back for that next flagpole flagpole base or next building expansion or next great opportunity. So I know that sounds like a coy answer, but it's, it's the truth. I cannot think of a single success that's more important than others. Mm-hmm. You know, every single project we have, we focus on to make sure it's a success. And I guess the biggest success I could list is just the fact that we have been in operations for 40 plus years with, I think, uh, probably 12, uh, 15 different owners now at this point, And that we're able to take that model that Dale and that Charlie established so many moons ago and just keep it going it's their legacy it really is so if you had to go back and and talk to a 25 year old bill and tell him what he needs to do in order to have a successful career what would you tell him first thing i'd tell him is make sure you work hard the second thing i'd say is that it's all about hard work and the third thing i would say is Make sure you work really hard. <laughs> yeah. Now, in addition to that, there, I would there's also There's some say, trend there, you know? So there, there definitely is. I'm biased if you can't tell. But the other things that, you know, are really important to me is you've got to learn to communicate. You know, I really do see, and I know I sound like an old timer here, and it's only because I am, but I see a challenge in the future for future generations with their willingness or interest in, in communing communicating with others just on a personal basis. I get that we have a lot of electronics. I get that we have a lot of ways to communicate, but it's the personal side of things that if you're willing and able to to deal with picking up the phone, if you're willing and able to just sit down and talk with someone, whether it's over lunch or, you know, in a park or whatever, that goes, it's kind of like a picture's worth a thousand words. Mm-hmm. Well, a conversation is worth a million emails. And, um, you know, that's, I would love to have future me focus on communication and personal skills, as well as just be a team player and be respectful of others. It's so much easier to succeed when those that you work with, that you work for and work for you want to succeed because they feel like this is a team game. This is a team approach. You know, when I win, everybody wins. When they win, I win. And it's, it's just easy. It really is. Great answer, and and you know I, I I hear it seems like that's a very that's a that's it, there's there's some common language there, and work ethic seems to be one I get from a lot of people, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just not like you just show up, 
you know, you have to, you have to work hard. You have to be in the game, you know, and, and, uh, that is so important. So we've got to the point where we're doing the speed round. The speed round is, I'm going to ask you how important you think, uh, these eight different, uh, items or topics are, uh, important from one to 10, one being the least important, 10 being the best, and they can all be tens, you know? So I'm not, I'm not inhibiting you in any way to, to give them all tens, but, um, so topic, and you can explain your philosophy behind it, um, scheduling. I'm going to be a little bit critical. I'm going to say scheduling would be a nine in my book. And, um, I would say that because it is very important. It's not paramount, but it's very important because if you have, uh, you know, if you do a poor job with scheduling, everybody is negatively affected from design to subs to clients. Estimating. I'd say eight. I'd say it's still very important, but to me, it's not quite as important as scheduling. And the reason I say that is if you miss too much, you're not going to be in business for very long. But by the same token, um, you know, for us, it's not all about the money. It's all about the client and the repeat business, because if I don't make it on this project, I can always have future ones to try and again, um, you know, recoup any losses and mainly just establish and win that client. So the next two topics, one is contracts, the actual paper contract, and the second one is contract administration, administering that contract, actually go out there and doing it. I would say that contracts for us as a company, I would knock that all the way down to maybe a five. And the reason I say that is I can count on two fingers how many times a contract has ever come into play with either an owner or subcontractor, because as long as you do what you say you're going to do and you take care of business, Contracts, I don't say they don't matter, but they're not very important mm-hmm. because contracts are really only important when there's a problem. And if you don't care, take care of business, you've got a problem. So for us, I would put contracts as a five. Contract administration, I would put right there with um, estimating um, right about a uh, eight or so for us because, again, it's very important. We're all about paperwork and communications and paper trail, but it's more about getting that job done on time and within budget. Design. Ten. That's an easy one for me. Mm-hmm. I, I come from a design background, and if it's wrong on paper, it's going to be wrong in place. That will cost you time. That will cost you money. And that will absolutely cost you clients in the long run. If you can't get it right right up front, you will, you will never succeed in our business as design built. Accounting. Um, I would also lump that in with estimating. I'd say that's an eight. Um, You can generally overcome poor accounting practices, but it's always a painful process. So it's very, very important, but not paramount in my book, at least. Selling work or bidding. Those are two different things. Selling work for us is selling a relationship. It's selling a service. It's selling a, um, a level of ability and so that to me is our lifeblood. You know, once we've got an owner and we've proven what we can do, we have them for life. So to me, um, business development would be a, an absolute 10. Bidding, again, if I do my job, I don't have to be the low dollar. I have to be the best value. Mm-hmm. So bidding is very important, but it's really more about presentation and earning that spot at the table to win the business. Last but not least, leadership. I would say that's definitely a a 10. And the reason being is that any company can't be anything 
without good people. And good people are everywhere, but without good leadership, they don't want to be their best. And if you don't have folks that want to work with you, to want to be part of your team, you're dead in the water. And so I would definitely say that's a very important thing. And, and again, here, we're very fortunate that we have lots of great folks and management leadership positions, and it's, it's just really worked well for us. And that's all I have for our speed round. I want to give you the last word like I do all uh, my guests. And, but before I do, I just want to let you know, um, you know, I, after I, I moved down here and I started teaching in EKU and we saw some of our students go to Denim Blythe, I've heard some really good things about Denim Blythe as an organization. Um, and, uh, and that says a lot from a, uh, you know, when you have a young kid that comes there and works as a co-op or comes in and, you know, he's a, a project engineer or whatever. And for them, because they get they get the jobs that are not so desirable sometimes, you know, so for them, for them, oh, to, I say, know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. for them to say good things is, is, a, is a great thing. And I and, and I want to thank you for uh, taking the time here today and and, you know, and meeting with me and uh, meeting with my audience because uh, I think it's, it's been extremely valuable and uh, I know I got a lot out of it. So you have the word, last word, Bill. Perfect. Well, I don't have a whole lot to say because like you say, I'm, I'm trying to be as humble as I can. And, um, you know, the main thing is that I appreciate having the opportunity to talk with you and talk with your audience. And um, if I can leave everybody with just one thought, it is, in our industry, in construction, it doesn't matter if you're in the design only side, if you're in the construction only side, or if you're in both the design build aspect like we are, if you will just focus on the client, keeping the client happy, you, know, you hit the nail on the head earlier, Scott, that customer service is dead in the contracting industry, but it doesn't have to be. And when you focus on it, everything else falls into place. Business is easy. Clients are easy, projects are easy, and it's just so much more pleasant. You know, most of general contracting is a battle. It's, you know, how do we get every nickel out? How do we get every dime out? Design build is not that way when it's done properly. Mm -hmm. It's a partnership. It's collaborative. Everybody wins, and you don't have to spend nearly as much time trying to earn every nickel as you do just keeping those that you like and that like you for clients. So... Well, that's some great advice, Bill. Uh, for my audience, uh, join us again for another uh, podcast in another week. And uh, uh, last, before we leave, leave Bill, Q, I want to just uh, tell you thank you, thank you again. And uh, uh, um, I wish you and your company the best of luck. We really appreciate it, Scott. You as well. And uh, take good care of Ace Consulting and keep focusing on the customer. You know you will. Thank you, Bill.